De Jesus Maleski, um, and I am an artist. It's taking me a really long time to say that just I am an artist, and um, I use the word artist as an umbrella term for a lot of different kinds of creative expression. Um, right now, I mostly am focusing on, I guess, visual art. I'm mostly focusing on really large works on paper, a lot of mixed media and a lot of watercolor, um, a lot of coffee and paper and specifically like culturally classed materials, materials that are considered to be crafty or materials that are considered to be um, lower class materials and taking them and making really huge works on paper. So like one of the materials that I'm completely like devoted to is glitter and it's something that like uh, most people will kind of roll their eyes at or they'll get really excited and I appreciate both responses um, <laughs> totally. and the conversation that comes out of them. So also I, I appreciate writing and at different points in my life I've been focused more so on writing um, or performance um, and and right now for the time being I'm kind of, I'm I'm working out with myself <laughs> and the world some sort of integration of visual work and visual art and creativity in collaboration with writing and word and so yeah, it's kind of like, I, I see everything that I do as an experiment. Like everything that I do is two things, an experiment and a collaboration. Um, I don't think that anything that I make is ever made completely like originally, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like everything has a lineage and everything is a part of a conversation and um, be that a spiritual conversation or be that a material conversation or inspiration from a history and a lineage of people that have been working at this set a very long time. So I see all of art making as like a set of variables that are in constant rotation and they produce different results. Um, and it is an experiment in a bunch of different, a bunch of different things. So totally. And talking about history, where, where do you come from and why did it take you so long to own the handle of artist? Well, <laughs> it, that's a, such a good question, and it's one of those complicated questions that I think I'm probably going to be like mulling over for the rest of my life. In the sense that I, I have like I was thinking about it, and my I've changed my mind so many times. Like even if I look at the past five years or so. Um, how I feel or what I think about certain things, thankfully, 
is evolving and changing. Um, and so with that said, <laughs> I come from, um, I'd say first and foremost, a history of um, super resilient, radiant people who are determined to have some sort of internal revolution, who are determined to contribute to the healing of their communities, contribute to the healing of themselves, and whether that be through family or whether that be through um, relationships or whether that be on a large scale, more media level, I see myself as coming from a history of um, in a lineage of island, Afro diaspora, Taino, Spanish, Puerto Rican people. I see myself as coming from a history of um, white people also, <laughs> even though I'm like, edit that part out. <laughs> <laughs> it's a part of all of our history though, you know? <laughs> yeah, it is. But I, and I have to be honest with myself about that, even though I, ha I in terms of who I am and what I've experienced, um, it's always been a complicated relationship to um, whiteness and specifically around whiteness and making art, you know, and whiteness and, and like visual aesthetics. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I want to always be looking honestly, compassionately, and critically at myself in the same ways that I am looking at the world, you know? Um, yeah. And yeah, and all of it is part of where I come from. Um, and with that said, I come from a history of people across all disciplines and across all um, communities that are, I feel like, people that I hold in high esteem that have always been trying to figure out and trying to pave a way of being able to articulate and have a language to identify ourselves in the way that we see fit rather than um, kind of forfeiting our identities to the language that was handed down to us, you know, that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. And I think that um, I've seen that in your work a lot where you're having a conversation with yourself, like you said, about your identity and um, you're looking at yourself in this like warrior way where you're kind of like facing these fears head on. And can you talk about, can you talk about warriors in your life that have inspired you artistically? Like what was your first interaction with art? Who was the first person to like, be like, this is a tool, this is a weapon, this is something you can use to better yourself? That's a really good question. Um, my mom, Absolutely. Even though she wouldn't, I'm sure that she wouldn't, maybe she would now, but I, I don't think that, I definitely know that when I was a kid, she wouldn't have said that she was an artist. Um, and maybe it wasn't ever so blatant as to even say art, like art or like, this is, this is the tool and this is the means, you know, and the result. But she is someone that I feel like was so supportive of creativity um, throughout my whole life. And she gave me a book that changed 
my life when I was younger. That was, um, it was a poem by Maya Angelou that mm. was illustrated by Basquiat. Mm. And it was one of the first times that I saw art that I felt like was outside of this kind of, was like outside of some sort of classical European canon, right? And I can use those words now to be able to identify it, but mm. it was like kind of the first time that I saw people that I could relate to or that I was kind of like, oh, that those people look more like me than <laughs> these people that I've been seeing up until that point, you know? <laughs> um, and to be able to identify with people of color who were making art in this way that really moved me like and she got it for me when I was in middle school so it was a pretty young wow. impact yeah where I was like it was an anchor it was an anchor for me that book you know and and it was the book life doesn't frighten me um you can still find it today so even yeah. though she might have not considered herself an artist she knew what was up yeah absolutely <laughs> And definitely, like, brought art into the house and specifically through music and writing, you know. There's always, like, books in my house and good music. And, um, yeah, and I just so appreciate that because it, it was immediately something that, that I felt mm, comforted by and... Like all of my hap like so many happy memories are in the kitchen with music, you know, mm. and so I had that tool, and even though I didn't call it a tool for a really long time, I knew that I could go to that. I knew that I could always go to the boombox, the cassette player, you know, <laughs> and then like later the CDs and the iPods. <laughs> so what was the first um, kind of music that you would hear bumping in your house, in your kitchen? What was your, what was your mom's taste? What inspired you? Well, there's, <laughs> there's one of her favorites um, was Silvio Rodriguez, mm. who's a Cuban folk singer, um, who's like, it just like amazing and that's kind of like the staple like Silvio Rodriguez I'll smell fried onions like whenever I listen <laughs> you know it was like always frying the onions in the pan and Silvio Rodriguez on the cassette also, Boys to Men. Yeah. <laughs> boys to Men, um, like dance, like random dance parties a lot to Boys to Men and Whitney Houston, Tracy Chapman, mm. um, Cindy Lauper, Queen. <laughs> these are like, I can see the cassette tape like covers as I'm saying all these things but it oh Aaron Neville mm -hmm. is like a huge one um Salt and Pepper MC Hammer sounds like you guys had a lot of dance parties in yeah. your kitchen <laughs> that's so right on absolutely <laughs> um when I first met you um in New Mexico um I 
heard you doing spoken word and you were really uh, involved in like music and word. And now I'm understanding where it came from. But what brought you to New Mexico as a stepping stone? That was um, because I had a really good friend living there in Santa Fe at the time. Um, and I was actually in Puerto Rico and I um, had kind of come to this place in Puerto Rico where I had to come back to the States and I really didn't want to go back to New York. And I was about, I think I had just turned 19. Um, and I had a friend in Santa Fe, New Mexico, that was like, come to Santa Fe, just find a job, you know, save up some money here and then decide what you want to do. It was a blessing, actually. It was a blessing to come to Santa Fe. Um, and Santa Fe remains, and New Mexico remains a place that for me, I grew up moving around my whole life on the East Coast, down South and Midwest. So I don't really have any places that feel like that is a place that I can call home. But Santa Fe was the longest place I've ever lived in my whole life. It was, I lived there for like six years. Um, so it feels like a home to me and I'm really thankful. Why did you guys move around so much when you were young? Do you mind ask, me asking? Yeah, it was just um, circumstance. Like a lot of people assume that it, I was like a military kid and my father was in the military. He was in the Marines in Vietnam, but that was before I was born. Um, and so by the time I came around, it was just, <laughs> it was just jobs, you know, it was like life circumstances and um, moving where work was, um, or where school was, or whatever, whatever we needed. And I also just think both of my parents were super transient people, too. <laughs> my mother's a very transient person, you know. Yeah, and then Santa Fe. So you, you, um, you stayed there for six years. What did you learn about yourself? What did you learn about yourself as being an artist, as being you? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I, I did so much growth in Santa Fe and New Mexico really like, it feels like family there, you know, it feels like I really have such like a huge place of gratitude in my heart for New Mexico because I feel like that was the place that held me and pushed me and challenged the shit out of me. And like really loved me through a lot of difficult and um, and like blessed change and growth in my life. So I'll, I'd say like some of the main points <laughs> are <laughs> um, I learned because <clears throat> like I said, I moved around my whole life. So I feel really comfortable with just picking up and going. And I don't feel so much comfortable with staying in one place for an extended period of time. I can get like, what if I'm not supposed to be here? <laughs> or I'm like, can get really antsy or um, something specifically that happened in Santa Fe that changed my life is that when I first moved there, I was so like, I was so unhappy and I wanted to leave right away, but didn't have the money to leave right away. Um, and I remember being on the phone with my mother and she kind of 
in so many words was like um you're like this is your this is your choice you know like you are where you are and so you can choose to um you can choose to seek out the things that assist or reflect your happiness mm. you know or you can stay in the places that feel difficult and unhappy and i feel like my whole time at in santa fe was fluctuation between those places right but it changed my life in the sense that um i realized that this happiness that i was banking on to be in the place that i was living um actually wasn't like my happiness isn't determined by where I am, right? Or where I live. And there's always going to be different factors that challenge or nourish happiness, no matter where I live and no matter where I am. But Santa Fe, and I'm so thankful that I stayed, was a place that really was able to teach me how to achieve happiness and how to go after my happiness and to choose happiness um, and do a lot of healing in that regard and that has everything to do with also the being able to come to a place where I felt um solid enough to pursue art making and art as a as something that I wanted to be the foundation of my life you know and the focus of my life for sure I feel like it's it's in a lot of ways maybe a little bit under the radar in the sense that there's like such an incredible creative community in New Mexico. And like, I feel like the arts and creativity in New Mexico is something that is like a blaze, is something that is in everything. Um, and there's this new youth movement, and maybe it isn't new, right? But like, it, it feels just so fresh. But there's this movement of specifically like young, native chicano indigenous like artists that are blowing up i feel you know mm -hmm. that are just like really really um doing things that are special that are innovative and that are inspiring so it was like one of those things where it took me a while it was through the relationships that i built first and through the friendships that i started to kind of have this community of incredible creative people and um through seeing other people being brave in the ways that everyone is brave right to like show and demonstrate and go after their creativity and their dreams that was how i was encouraged simultaneously mm -hmm. to do the same Then all of a sudden it's like spontaneous combustion And I'm all up in your face yelling, bitch, you can't tell me nothing Cause I came from the bottom, now everybody's watching I said it was my time, now I'm who everybody's clocking And I'm just out here sprinting, I'm running right through my vision I'm trying to outrun my past, but still trying to defeat my limits
I remember um, you threw a um, you threw a show at um, a warehouse space out in New Mexico, and I think it was called Heartwork. Was that what uh-huh. it was called? So, so tell me a little bit about your motivations behind that show, because I know you were doing a lot of work with like movement and circus and spoken word and all of this. Like, tell me about that process and that moment in your life and what what that's all about. Well, that heart work was an acronym um, that at the time I was working with Jesse Workman and Cynthia Ruffin, both incredible writers and um, people and friends. And we had co-created a program at the YDDC um, and later Camino Nuevo Youth Detention Facilities in Albuquerque. Um, a program we ran for almost three years um, and then passed on to some other writers in the area. And I'm not sure necessarily where it's at now, but it was a program that was a writing and performance um, program in the detention facilities. And that was a really, really huge treasure. What what inspired you to do that type of work? I mean, that's really intense and that takes a lot of heart work, you know. What what made what made you want to go there? You know, I I talk with a lot of activism-based artists and a lot of people are inspired to work with incarcerated youth and um troubled youth and I'm always curious like what what is it? Well, it's a couple of different things. The 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 most immediate experience that happened was that I was in a play produced by Wise Fool New Mexico, um, written and directed, well, written by a bunch of different people, directed by Cynthia Ruffin, um, who I later collaborated with on the Breath program. Um, It was, so Baggage was a play that dealt with domestic violence and women of color within the state of New Mexico. We toured that play around New Mexico when I was a part of it. And there was three different, at least three different stages of that play. So when I was a part of it, one of the places that we did a show was at the YDDC. And Camino Nuevo was the old women's prison. It's a high security women's prison that had been shut down. That was in the back of YDDC that during our time there over the course of three years, they had reopened because they were getting such an influx of young people who were getting committed and getting locked up. So they had to open up this prison to be able to um, house everyone. Um, Yeah, it was crazy. So we did this play for, and there's both young men and young women who are locked up at YDDC and Camino Nuevo. We did the play for separate shows for the young men and for the young women. And afterwards, we ate um, with some of the young men that came, like after the show, we went to the cafeteria and we all sort of like hung out and ate together. And and they were saying like, you know, we want to be able to do that. We want to be able to do what you guys did. We want to be able to tell our stories. We want to be able to... Um, We want to be able to tell the story of where we came from and how we got here. And we've tried ourselves Mm. to organize groups and um, 
just it it always falls through because we just end up like kind of clowning each other or people are uncomfortable and there's no leadership and would you guys help us essentially do that so they were the ones that program happened because they had the vision they had demonstrated that like tried to do it before they had already been organizing around it so it was kind of like right place right time mm-hmm. um that we were able to petition then for this program and um work with some of the administration to be able to set it up so it was a weekly it was a weekly program it was every saturday um personally i have you know my father was incarcerated on and off my whole life i have family members i have friends i have people that i love and care about who have been locked up on and off my whole life and i don't believe in that system i don't believe in the prison system and i i there's something that is specifically tender and painful when it's kids that are locked up um and for me that was something that i felt like in the sense that that's my that's like that's my family those are my people you know what i mean and i think that there's this way that's really really intentional to construct an idea um around the prison system that really creates such an isolation and such a separation between the outside and the inside and it's really systematic and it's really intentional and any way that we can be able to ourselves cross that border um and the people on the outside right because it's because when you're on the inside you have literally no agency mm-hmm. um to be able to cross that that border you know so after that experience working with that youth did that guide your personal creative experience in any way um mm-hmm. where where did you go from that as like on on your own personal journey how did you take that into your own work well like it really did completely impact my life directly and that's the thing is that with any and i've been on either side of that experience right of being a like a teacher or a student and like a lot of people say and i really believe it's true is that those are roles that are interchangeable and that like kind of exist simultaneously you know so um and Cynthia and Jesse and I talked about this too so much of the time is that like that was a mutual relationship in terms of that program and everything that we were um learning and growing from also and like I can say that that is one of the number one reasons that I um applied for college really? and mhm and which brought me out to Oakland and it was like it was really direct in the sense that I remember and I don't think I ever told anyone while I was there and it took me a minute to be able to understand the direct relationship but when first of all like there's this assumption that there's a lack of intelligence if you have a criminal history or that there's a lack of intelligence if you're 
incarcerated or hooked into the prison system at all Mm -hmm. and that is like ridiculous you know like we know that that's ridiculous it's false it's a lie it's a part of the the construct um of -hmm. separation and so of course when working with a lot of young people who are incredibly intelligent a lot of the some of the conversation that came up was around school and like how how do we get into school and how do we get into an educational institution that will like nurture that kind of intelligence, you know? Mm-hmm. So I realized while some of the young people were asking me like, I want to go to school. I don't know how to get in. Can you help me? Or do you know how? And I realized that I didn't know how, <laughs> like I had no idea right like I hadn't been through that process I I was saying you should go to college (laughs) I was saying you should apply to college you should go to school and there's money out there you know (laughs) there's money out there and they're like for real how do I get it and I was like I don't know (laughs) but I know it's out there and I I began to realize that um that I wanted to be able to know. I wanted to be able to go through that process and go through that system of academia and of of being so unfamiliar with it and learning. Um, and I have had a ton of support. So that hasn't been a soul, like a totally isolated experience either. But I wanted to be able to have that. I wanted to be able to have that experience to be like, this is how you do it. This is what it's like. This is how you get money. Um, and like, you can, you can do it. Like we can have this if that's what we want. And so, and so you applied. You, yeah. You applied to art school. Yeah. <laughs> totally. And here I am. <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> I applied to art school and, and I applied to <laughs> I applied to academic schools too, but I was such an awful student in high school that my academic record <laughs> was really, really lacking, I'll say that. And so I, I needless to say, I didn't get into any academic schools, which was okay. So I got, I applied to two art schools and I got into both of those art schools because that's one of the great things about art schools is a lot of them look at your art and they're not, the academic comes second. Yeah. So that's kind of what landed me. And at that point, what was your art? Like what, what kind of work did you submit when you were applying for college? Mm. Um, was it was it drawings at that point or was it performance I submitted and it's interesting because I didn't even real like I didn't even think of you can go to school for performance which is kind of like I don't know why in my mind that wasn't a thing it wasn't as accessible right and I think that it is more so now like I think that even in the past four years performance and performance art is really at the forefront of a lot of um and like new media and media art is really at the forefront of a lot of art. But in my mind at that time, I was totally like, I had 
told myself or convinced myself that it was like drawing, you know, like, so a lot of the visual art that I had been doing at that time was either like um, black books, you know, mm -hmm. or um, spray paint or walls and um, or like colored pencils. And so I remember sitting in my kitchen in Santa Fe and like setting up still lives. <laughs> And like drawing these still lifes and being like, this is what art on, school was. Yeah. <laughs> turning on Nina Simone and just like for hours, like drawing oranges and offers. <laughs> That's so awesome. So I think I sent them like some graffiti and some still lifes. That's what. <laughs> That's good. It's like both extreme opposites. <laughs> Girl, I'll fill in the middle when I get there. <laughs> so, so since you got to CCA, um, there's not that much diversity at that school. And I wanted to really talk to you about how that has impacted your work and, um, and your story and your concept. Man. <laughs> <laughs> um cca like i'm coming to the end of it too right so i'm like i senior this is a real thing people it is a real thing i'm like <laughs> anyways i cca has completely and totally changed um and informed so much of how i see art my relationship to art and making art in some ways it's been in so many ways i'll say it's been a privilege and it's been um a blessing and it has been the effort of a lot of people on my team <laughs> like it hasn't just been me even though it feels that way sometimes it's also CCA is a beast and I'll say like school and art in the academic world. Like in my mind, I had a very naive idea of what art school might be like. And I'll just say it's, it wasn't anything like I thought it would be. Like, what do you mean? Give me an example. I think I really wanted art school to be Hogwarts. <laughs> I really wanted to like be coming home. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I really wanted art school to be a place of magic, you know, and discovering and connecting to creative magic. And in a lot of ways it was, but in not, not in the ways that I would have expected at all. Sometimes in really harsh ways, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. like um, pushing it's kind of just like, you know, like some medicines are sweet and some medicines feel like, what the fuck am I putting in my body? <laughs> CCA was more of the latter. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good you recognize it as a medicine, though. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I mean, I, I am very clear that, like, it's funny because I knew people in Santa Fe that were in art school, but I had no idea. Like I was so disconnected. And I, and that's one of the things about the academic world is it is, there is this, unless you 
maybe have family ties to the academic world like I think in general it's pretty intimidating and it's pretty inaccessible and the language and the resources and um like it's all been built up to be that way I think specifically private schools you know CCA is a private school I didn't realize the difference between private and public when I was applying to schools um and I'm and I am very aware of that <laughs> now. <laughs> Do you think that that would have informed um, your application process more had you kind of known what you were getting into? Yeah, definitely. The only thing is, like I said, in terms of my high school GPA and my SAT scores, like I was applying to school seven years after I had graduated. So my academic record was like at a low <laughs> and public schools is a more general admissions process right and so it there is a closer eye on academic achievement um and so the plus to the private art schools was that they were looking at they were looking at the art and that was what at the time i had to offer you know mm -hmm. so cca is in the middle of oakland in the bay area how did your relationship to living in the Bay Area affect your art and who you are? And like, did you find yourself kind of having two different worlds? I, totally. I, I hear that a lot about going to private school in like Metropolis. And tell me about that. Yeah, it's completely felt like two different worlds. It still feels like two different worlds. It's um, you know, I think that that could be remedied. And I and I really hope that the leadership at CCA and at all academic institutions, right, creates a little bit more accessibility around entrance. Like, for example, CCA is positioned, you know, a couple of blocks away from Oakland Tech, um, which is a huge uh, public high school in Oakland on Broadway. Um, my, like, I have family that's like chosen family, right? And so one of my little brothers, who's from Oakland, went to Oakland Tech, is an incredible artist. And I'm like, why hasn't CCA <laughs> recruited? You know, mm -hmm. why isn't CCA, uh, and maybe they are, and I don't know, but why aren't they at Oakland Tech recruiting, actively recruiting students, you know? And because there's brilliant minds there and brilliant artists. Also, Oakland in general, it's so interesting because Oakland and the Bay Area, as you know, is like such an arts, like city it's such an it's like such an art and creativity like focused place but what that looks like on the outside of the institution and what that looks like on the inside of the institution it does feel like two worlds that are simultaneously existing you know alongside of each other and not to like use harry potter references all the time <laughs> but like you know for all my fellow geeks out there like it feels like you know, platform nine and three quarters, man. Where <laughs> there is like two different worlds and kind of navigating um, those entrances and those exits. And CCA is incredibly wealthy. It's a very old institution. It's over a hundred years old. Um, it's a very prestigious and wealthy institution. And it's centered in Oakland and in parts of San Francisco um that that are lower income communities you know um 
And the same with Mills too, right? Like Mills is another one of those private schools that's centered in East Oakland, you know, that's like a super wealthy institution. And like, what is that about really? Where's the bridge, you know? The mediums that I'm using right now, um, glitter. Tell me yeah, about that. <laughs> <No. laughs> um, glitter for sure. Watercolor, large pieces of paper. I like piecing paper together. Um, I have this kind of other life. I feel like that is doing digital work. I'm not an illustrator at all, but I've been given the opportunity to do digital illustrations hmm. um, online for in partnership with different really awesome uh, collaborators here in the Bay Area and also in different parts of the country. Brown Boy Project is one of them. Um, hmm. Strong Families and Forward Together is one of them. The um, Young Women's uh, Development Center is another one. Um, Third Root Community Center in New York. People and organizations that are really committed to the health and healing and well-being of um, brown and black people, of queer people, of our families, um, of poor people, of broke people. Like, you know, it's about creating images of people that are typically represented as vulnerable or typically represented as stressed or unsupported and creating images of us that are powerful, um, images of us that are joyful, <laughs> that mm -hmm. are strong, that are spiritually fed and happy and whole. That's been a joy to work in collaboration with people that are doing so much work um, in that sense. And then I have like my work and my process. A lot of that happens on the floor in my room right now. Laying <laughs> 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 out paper. <laughs> And um, where I'm at right now is I feel really inspired and always have been by science fiction authors and fantasy authors and books. Um, and what I love about science fiction and fantasy so much is I feel like that there's this way that the future can be a place to be able to have conversations that for whatever reason are difficult or painful to have um, just in normal time. And I love the way that the medium of science fiction and fantasy has been used in writing. And I'm just starting to learn about the way that those mediums have been used in um, visual art, you know, and are being used in visual art and performance. So I'm kind of in that place of wanting to explore futuristic representations of femme identity 
as it relates to communities um, that are marginalized. And I began looking a lot at Kahindi Wiley and McLean Thomas, who are um, Black contemporary painters um, and artists and like mixed media like creators too. And I was really in love with their work so much for a lot of different reasons. And I started to look at the ways that they were portraying specifically um, Black people in positions of power and of dignity um, and sensuality and um, respect. Mm -hmm. And I started looking at if there was a way to represent queer femininity in portraits without using with or referencing a European canon of art and royalty. Um, and is there a way to represent power without representing like old classical wealth? Um, yeah. And I started that and then I realized that I was using the the classical like means kind of of portraiture that comes from ancient like Gro uh, Roman, <laughs> Greek and Roman. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> Roman. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so essentially, I was like, basically, I'm trying to get out of this reference of sim of symbols, but I'm using the same means of representation um in terms of like aesthetic like what is considered like the golden ratio or like proportions or even like posture and different things that are that we learn that's kind of like the basis of figure drawing and of figure mm -hmm. representation um and there's something that felt good about that but i was kind of like had this moment of really wanting to surround myself and um, be looking at instead all of the artists. And uh, what's interesting is that like a lot of, like I feel like classical, um, indigenous, African, Latino um, artists are not like, it's the nameless, right? It's just like groups of people and um, mm -hmm. for so many reasons. And still, there's an incredible canon of art and art history that exists there. It's not put in your face, and this is what you must learn. You have to seek it out. You have to yeah. find, find your own way. And that's sounds like that's what you've been doing. You've been finding it. Totally. Um, yeah, for sure. I A lot of that had to do with... I went and I got to study in New York for a semester and the leadership and the mentorship there was fucking awesome and um, was really the support that I needed to kind of like explore, you know, a little bit. And um, was that um, how was that going back to New York? It was awesome. I love New York. I love it there. I do. It's so special. And I also think being Puerto Rican, like there's something that feels like I can just breathe a little bit better in New York. There's a certain way that I can exist in New York um, that feels like a relief that I don't necessarily experience in a lot of other places. 
So, and it feels exciting and, and um, I feel happy there. be grad you're having your senior show right um yeah in a few weeks on what what april 20 23rd april 23rd yeah 5 30 to 7 30 p.m <laughs> cca if you're in oakland CCA. yes <laughs> go check it out this is like coming out two days before so i hope that's awesome it can like help to inform people to go um and so after you do that show what What's in your head? Where are you going to go? What are you going to do? Oh, well, first I am going to read all the Harry Potter books <laughs> again <laughs> to yeah. refuel myself <laughs> with a sense of magic <laughs> um, and happiness. <laughs> Those books make me so happy. Mm. Um, so yeah, that actually is a real plan that I've been saying to myself, like, as soon as you graduate, you get to read all of the Harry Potter books <laughs> from start to finish. So yeah, books one through seven, I'm coming for you. Um, <laughs> And I plan on taking uh, taking a little bit of a break and kind of healing up, rejuvenating, refueling. Um, and my intention and my hope for life after CCA is to collaborate with um, like-minded people, you know, and like-minded artists. I'm really excited about the idea of... Um, like creative partnership. And I, I have that with someone in New Mexico, Rebecca Tarin, who's an incredible mm -hmm. artist, New Mexico artist, uh, based artist, Chicano artist. Um, so I look forward to more of that kind of mutual, like creative partnership in the future. Um, I'm really open too. Like I feel super excited and open about the possibilities of the future, definitely um, applying to different artist residencies and want to explore more like what does it take to be an artist as um, like a professional artist and to really live my life as an artist, you know. I know that at CCA, they kind of, at a lot of art schools, they prep you almost to do gallery type of work. And is that something that you're interested in doing? And how did you enjoy that experience? I am interested in doing it. It's weird because the gallery, like the, it is an institution and um, the gallery like academia in so many ways is really isolated. And on the one hand, that's not what I'm interested in at all. And on the other hand, I feel really thankful for and inspired by artists who, um, who come from like totally outside the gallery world, outside the academic world and bring their work and their ideas into the gallery um, mm -hmm. and vice versa. Like I think that there's a kind of, a specific kind of healing that takes place when 
when people are an artist and creatives are able to hold some kind of integrity to who they are and where they come from and um, also step into that world or navigate that world in the gallery because it is also a source of income, it's a source of livelihood, right? And it's a source of conversation and culture. Um, but I definitely am not, I, I, I want to explore that world, I absolutely do. And I also am open to other venues and other options. And I don't believe that that's the only way to make your living or to have like a, or to even be a participant in like culture creation. I don't believe that it happens only within the institution or the gallery at all. What are some what are some other ways that you believe that happens and what some kind of advice you can give to people who are getting ready to embark on a similar path that you're on as an artist? Yeah, I think about that all, all the time actually and I <laughs> One of the reasons why I love these conversations that you're having is because I, I think that that we don't have these conversations enough. And I actually think that like we're the ones like we're like that that thing that that quote it's corny, but I feel it so hard is that we're the ones that we've been waiting for, you know. Mm -hmm. I am a giant emotional <laughs> like you know believer in in really acknowledging the brilliance that is like within us and around us in our communities um and so part of having the conversation is being able to create that together and I think that a lot of in terms of creating a platform and creating venues and livelihood um outside of the gallery is happening now and it's happening amongst each other I think definitely like having a means of um a means of income in terms of like you know there's the nonprofit venue there's the nonprofit world and and working within that industry which is also mm -hmm. it it has its pros and its cons is always an option I also think that right now something is happening where um, there's like this kind of, there's this motivation to make it work. There's this motivation to um, do you, if that makes sense. There's this like kind of across the board motivation to, to be like, this is the dream. There isn't yet. A place for that to be like there isn't a set um there isn't a set itinerary there isn't like a set one two three steps that you can take especially for artists to be able to get there but I think that there's always this like creation happening where people are like I am a beatboxer midwife entrepreneur you know what I mean like there's <laughs> totally. like people are making it work you know outside of outside of an institution and outside of um, a gallery.
believe and I've seen my whole life that there's honor in um, there's honor in work and there's honor mm -hmm. in everything that you do. And I really, really believe with my whole heart that you can be an artist um, regardless of how you're paying your bills. Um, I want to figure out how to pay my bills by being an artist. I don't think that that's the only way. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that I totally know how to do that yet, but I also am sure that there's like, um, I'm sure that there's people that have figured it out <laughs> <laughs> that I can look to, you know. Also, I want to say this. I believe in, in sharing, like, I believe in sharing the whole picture mm -hmm. um, in the sense of sharing the ways that it has been open and easy um, and successful as well as the ways that it's been really challenging and hard or um, unsuccessful whatever that means <laughs> um, and so the ways that I've figured it out so far is one like relationships and really really learning from the people that are around me even if we're doing like totally different things I think that there's an incredible amount of um, value and worth in our relationships with each other and how we decide to relate to each other and how we decide to support each other and invest in each other's dreams. I think that an incredible amount of work has been done through um, crowdfunding um, and really deciding to like like $20 for the new Superman movie or like $20 for your homie that's about to you know create this new amazing thing that we haven't actually seen yet mm -hmm. um and I I really believe in that I believe also in like working with with people that are already like that are already established too and mm -hmm. like the organizations that I've gotten to work with and in that way it's not necessarily a studio practice it's not going into a gallery but I feel like it's a way that is connecting visual imagery and creativity and representation with everyday life and interaction and there is money there too in terms of and I talk about money a lot because I really am all about artists and everyone for that matter paying the bills and like having enough left over for <laughs> <laughs> uh, joy and life and living I was thinking about what you're saying about science fiction and how that drives you a lot and um and it just made me really excited to think that you're using that tool in your work so hopefully you are creating like this beautiful strong future through your art perhaps fuck yeah that's a really cool way that's such an awesome way to look at it and absolutely, like, I think we're always, like you said, like, we're always creating, like, what we're doing today, what we're agreeing to today or not agreeing to today, and what we're creating today is forming and, and informing and, like, actively making tomorrow, right? Totally. <laughs> like you know? And we're cutting out the, the corporate middleman, you know? That's the thing, is all of these, like, social networking tools and crowdfunding tools are are us realizing that we don't need somebody to tell us 
how to do things or what to yeah. do. Like we're like, you know what? I'll give you $20 now and you give me $20 in a couple weeks when I when I need to fund my project and yeah. You know, it can be seen as overwhelming or it can be seen as complete like self-control as a society, you know? Completely. I think that's such a good point in that we are like like we're making it right like we are sometimes I feel very much like it's this external like unknown unpenetrable force that is like <laughs> making everything right happen <laughs> and I can forget that I am I am an active part of my experience and I'm an active part of someone else's experience that is complete connection right and totally. it's unavoidable totally. <laughs> like, we're all here <laughs> back to New Mexico what would you tell these incarcerated youth about what you just went through over the past four years of going to art school becoming becoming able to call yourself an artist what would what are your words to those kids now well well one I think that's a really awesome question and the first thing that comes to mind is to acknowledge that everything that I did, as hard as it was and as challenging and sometimes brutal, um, as well as privileged that it was, it is going to be at least 10 times harder for a young person who's incarcerated um, to do that. And I don't mean that as a any sort of belittling or discouragement, but just an acknowledgement that we're coming from different places and that we have different resources. We do, and I see it at CCA every day, and there's this desire for connection, and out of that desire for connection, this need to kind of like push away all of the different places that we're coming from, and I think that sometimes does way more, I believe that it does more damage than it does good. And because then we're just misunderstanding each other all over the place instead of kind of having the ability and the humility to admit that we don't know where everyone comes from. We don't know what everyone is going through. So I imagine for a young person that is incarcerated, um, not to mention all of their different stories and backgrounds and resources and, you know, support or lack thereof that they're coming from that there is a another layer of judgment or discrimination to face. And I would want to be really honest about that mm -hmm. for anyone that I'm talking to, especially young people that are thinking about going into art school um, or into academia, to just know that is something. But there is um, a, literally, it's so intense because I can see that I'm buying into, my degree actually does buy me into a world. It buys me into and allows me access to a world that I 
would not have had access to had really? I not gone to you, CCA. You can see that. You can see that. Totally. Even just no, even just having the information um, and the relationships and understanding around how the art world works, I didn't have anyone in the art world um, that I, in terms of like friends later, sure. Although we didn't really talk about that either, right? But yeah. like, I didn't have anyone in terms of like family connections or mentorships that was in the art world that was like, could help me to understand or point me in the right direction to see how to be able to gain footing in that realm. Mm -hmm. But through CCA, I've learned so much. I really have learned so much about the art world and I have gained the mentorship of individuals who are committed to um, growth and change and evolution within that world, within the, that art world. But what I want to, what I would want to say to young people and what I would want to say to young people at YDDC um, and any young person that is wanting to go to school or discouraged uh, or feeling like unsure about how to go about it is that like it, if that is what you want, it is absolutely um, within your means. It may be a bitch. It may be <laughs> really challenging. It may be at every turn feeling like there's a force that's trying to prevent you from entering. Um, it also may be really, it may be easy and clear and um, just like a green light from the universe. But either way, like I really, really believe that if you want access to that world, there is a way to mm -hmm. gain access into that world. There's also like an incredible amount of money and an incredible amount of resources available for college students. I had no idea. I was like, hey, student discount, like, <laughs> you know, all of the scholarships and the grants and the awards that all of a sudden it was like, all of these opportunities for if you're looking to apply to college, you know? And I think that there's something that feels, whether it's coming from a good place, whether it's coming from a voyeuristic place, that people are very, um, in academia, are very, like, interested in recruiting disadvantaged youth. And I'm using quotation marks. She's using quotation marks right now. <laughs> Just so you all know. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I would say this is the time to like, this is the time to be able to present everything that you've already survived in a way that can, that can afford you entrance into a world that can potentially open doors in the future. What advice do you have for people about like honing their craft and stuff? What's been some things that have really worked for you? I would say like over the past four years, something that I just started to realize is that I really didn't allow myself to experiment very much. And it's funny because it seems like I've gone in and out of these mediums. And in a lot of ways I have, but I had this idea, I guess, 
like kind of from the still lifes, you know, <laughs> like from the very beginning of like what art, <laughs> what kind of art I was supposed to be making. And it wasn't necessarily anyone that was like really enforcing that, but this like, like the, this voice, you know, like we all have the voices that keep us within certain like limits and limitations and restrictions um and that was one of my voices and i like anyone who as an artist whether you're in school or not although school i realize you're buying yourself time right like you're buying the time to be able to do art and learn about art and all of that stuff but um to just like fuck it <laughs> just, <laughs> like experiment you know and I like you'll arrive where you need to arrive at different point in time, and it doesn't have to look good. It doesn't have to be good to just like fuck it, just just experiment, really. Uh, so yeah, I just like want to give you a moment to like any anything that you want to put out in the universe before we close. I. I'm sorry. I just because I like sometimes I'm like I watch Oprah. I watch Oprah and like Super Soul Sunday and like all the questions she asks these questions like what is God to you? Like what is the soul? What do you believe in? And I always like answer the questions like what I was saying Oprah was saying. I love it. Honestly, I believe that what is comes from an authentic sense of love and authentic acts of love is something that is healing in a way that um, we may not even recognize or realize in the very in that very moment I think that like <laughs> I really believe in love if there was one thing like in terms of anything and and that's the thing is Khalil Gibran uh who's someone that I look to as a creative mentor spirit mentor ancestor um in the prophet on work that was one of the things that shaped me completely is when I heard his quote on work and that work is love made visible. It changed the way that I approached and the way that I understood work and art and creativity. And really that that is work at its best. And it's like one of my um, professors said the other day to make the distinction between work and employment and that they're not always um, mutually exclusive, mm -hmm. but that our work, when our work can really be our love in tangible form, that is contributing to the healing of the world, no matter what. I absolutely believe that. Also, <laughs> bring it, let's go. <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> Clearly, I'm a book nerd, and I like quotes, and I like reading. <laughs> um, but something else that changed my life was Juno Diaz gave a talk 
about his work and I'm totally paraphrasing, I'm not reading his quote right now, but he said, um, he said he was talking about vampires and monsters and he was like you guys know about vampires that part of the vampire myth is that like the vampire can't see their reflection in the mirror that monsters can't see their reflection and he was like and what i think about that is not that monsters can't see their reflection but if you want to make a human being monstrous deny them at every possible like social level any sort of reflection of themselves mm-hmm. um and he goes on to talk about growing up and as a young dominican american man in the hood and not seeing any reflections of himself and feeling like a monster and feeling like that there was something wrong with him and that his work is about creating mirrors so that kids like him won't feel will will be who they are and won't feel so monstrous for it Mm -hmm. um and that moved me and continues to move me it's one of those things where i'm like what the fuck am i doing what is this for (laughs) why (laughs) when i go into like my existential crisis modes (laughs) which happens from time to time when i have a meltdown about like the purpose of anything ever then (laughs) it's one of the things that grounds me that there's meaning and that there's value to being able to create mirrors for ourselves and being able to create a reflection of ourselves and our experience um, in order to be and live our greatest, biggest dreams, that there has to be a place where we can be able to recognize that that's possible in the first place. And that's what I, that's what I hope to be a part of. Finna do it with a ballpoint pen, the Luga megaphone, a Dell computer. Me, I make that rebel music, big bad bass and treble music. Cut through all the mass confusion and the bullshit that they pedal to. It's for the benefit of fellow humans who would need a retribution. And for those who got electrocuted, knowing they ain't never do it. Watch me how I get the movement, cracking on some self improvement. Get up, baby, get into it. Just think, change the art of the 
fastest Rise up off they asses and fight the fight with passion Ignite it like a matchstick We gon' fight the power, yes, despite all the harassment Until the final hour and until our rights are granted Feel it coming, hear it coming, see it coming Where it's coming from is the spirit deep inside us As I peer over the horizon and it grows nearer Guides us to the path that's pure and righteous That's why lyrics won't always remind us that Beep.